Hey guys, this is Devin Leonard, Mule Deer Fanatic. You're listening to the Outdoor Adventures Podcast with Jason. Welcome to Outdoor Adventures with Jason. Each week I bring the world of hunting, fishing, and conservation to you. From the great hunting and fishing opportunities found in the Americas to the dream safaris located on the dark continent beyond. I'll introduce you to those who are already out in the field living every outdoor enthusiast's dream as well as outfitters and gear manufacturers that can make those dreams your reality. Racks, offering the coolest bow hanger on the market. Display your bow with pride in your house, your garage, or anywhere you'd like. We carry most major brands while also offering a custom service if you have an idea or logo of your own that you'd like made into a hanger. Use them to display your traditional bow, compound bow, or even your crossbow. They also work great for hanging your hunting gear, your bags, or hats. Not to mention the design just looks plain awesome all by themselves. A Rax hanger makes for a great gift for that special hunter in your life. Go to RaxInc.com to see some of the available designs or contact us to discuss the custom hanger of your own. For listeners of the Outdoor Adventures with Jason podcast, use the promo code PODCAST and get 15% off your first order. Rax, show off your passion. Welcome to this episode of Outdoor Adventures with Jason. Today I'm very excited. I was going through Instagram a while ago and as many people know, the idea of bear hunting is huge to me. I've gone once, missed once. I happened across a website and an Instagram page called Big Grass Outfitters out of Manitoba. And Manitoba is one of those areas I'm really dying to hunt one day and I'm so lucky to have on the phone today, Judy Usener. And Judy is one of the co-owners of Big Grass Outfitters, which has got a phenomenal access to bear hunting in Manitoba. Judy how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you, Jason? Oh, fantastic. And I really appreciate you giving me some time today to talk about Big Grass Outfitters and the Manitoba bear hunting. I, I know many people are familiar with hunting in Manitoba. It becomes one of those dream destinations. And I think a lot of Americans might think the cost is very prohibitive, but I want to have you tell me about Big Grass Outfitters, the territory that you hunt. In reality, it's a very cost-effective way to get on a big bear and have a great chance at a color phase bear. Right. Booking with an outfitter is a completely different experience than doing it yourself. Big Grass Outfitters offers black bear hunts in Manitoba. We've done it since 2001. My husband, Tom, and I have done bear hunting since 2001. Had great success in opportunity of good, mature black bears. Plus, the color phase has been phenomenal. Over the years, big blonde chocolate, that big red bear that takes your breath away whenever you see it. The largest bear we took in 2007 was a 21 and 4 sixteenths. He was a Manitoba record for a number of years. And then in the as far as the color phase, he was a record for a number of years. Uh, Tom and I started our business. Uh, we bought an allocation from another outfitter who was getting out of the business. We had guided other outfitters over the years. We decided it was time to get into the business. It was all new to us, marketing, that we ended up buying 20-some tags, and it was opening a new area, putting in baits, doing all the legwork. And we did it ourselves. We didn't hire anybody. We did it ourselves. And that's where Big Grass Outfitters has been known to be called a mom-and-pop hunting outfit because it has been Tom and I. Every time you come to camp, it's Tom and I in camp. And so with that being said over the years we hunted in what we called our out camp in eastern Manitoba between uh, Riding Mountain National Park and Lake Manitoba. Then we downsized a couple of years ago. We decided at our time of life we were going to slow down and then we were down to five tags and Judy panicked and she bought another allocation while Tom was out on the road truck driving. So now we have uh, we're back up to 25 tags, which seems like a lot of tags. Opened up the area. We're hunting the southern borders of Riding Mountain National Park, which is an awesome place 
to access bears because Riding Mountain National Park is a no-hunt area. It's known around the world as a great bear habitat. And so we're set up there. We did well this past spring and fall. I'm really looking forward to this incoming spring. Got a bunch of new baits in and the activity on the cameras is just showing us. I can't wait until this minus 30 degree weather goes away and we have some spring. You said you run about 25 tags. How many baits do you run? I think we're in about the 25, 26 baits at this time. I hope to open up a new area, just like not new, but another area in the Cinnaboyne Valley, which will offer two or three spots for bait sites so we can manage the bears. We don't want to start over-harvesting. We want to watch the bears grow and make sure we see big, mature bears for the hunters. Manitoba is known for having a lot of farmland. And do you get the bears, do they come down and eat, eat in the fields and hit your baits and cover all those areas? Actually, yes. When hunters come to camp, they have a little problem sometimes with thinking, where are we going to hunt bears? Because they've driven all the way from Minot if they're driving up in flat land, no trees, all agricultural land, until they get to the Big Grass Lodge right here where we are. We've got two large ponds around us where the ducks are flying, but I can tell you we don't have any bears here. But going north, east, and northwest from camp, a 20-minute drive, and we're on the borders of Riding Mountain National Park. It is still agricultural land, but there's lots of alfalfa planted. And we all knows that, know that bears are eaters of grass. If there's not meat or beavers for them to eat, they eat grass. And you'll see them laying on the ground whenever there's fresh grass growing or the dandelions just come in bloom. You'll see them laying on their belly on the roadside eating fresh food like that and that's what gets their the dandelions are what gets their stomach going in the springtime we would hear from the local school bus drivers oh we saw a bear the other day he was laying eating dandelions and of course one of our largest enemies in the springtime is when the dandelions bloom and the bears will slow down from the bait because they are eating dandelions Oh, interesting. What is a good bait? I've heard when I went to Ontario, they used to use not only the the, the beaver tail, but they would also use basically French fries because the grease smell went so far. We don't use the French fries, but we use French fry grease. Okay. Our bait, whenever we create a bait, start out, find uh, maybe some activity, uh, scratches in the trees or whatever. And so we'll set up a bait site. So we put our barrels in the wood. We usually use two 45-gallon barrels, fill them full of oats, and then pour French fry grease in them. And each 45-gallon barrel usually holds, oh, about two and a half bags of oats. And then we usually put four or five five-gallon pails of French fry grease. Then we pour French fry grease on the ground to make a grease pad. The grease pad, everyone, like some people wonder why we've made a grease pad. But over the years, we have figured out pouring grease on the ground. So John the bear comes walking in and eats a little bit and gets stands in the French fry grease. And then he walks out a different direction that he came in. But then another bear crosses his path, finds, smells the smell that was on his pads and walks into the bait. It's kind of like a clock, you know, all the different directions that bears come and go from. It just brings more bear bait sites into the bait. And every time we go into the bait, we pour at least one more pail of French fry grease just on the ground. And so do your bait sites run like along hydro lines or, or mainly along farm fields or just inside the woods on a farm field? Yes, we want to be in the woods, large bushes. Like since we purchased our allocation 
along the south side of uh, Riding Mountain National Park, there's a good amount of woods. So we will we want at least maybe 30 acres of woods so the bear can stay there. We would like maybe a slough close by because they all need water. And when it's hot in the middle of summer, beginning late spring, they lay in the water to cool off. Oh, okay. So they have to have water. So that would be another reason why we would put the bait there. Tributaries from Riding Mountain National Park, if there's a creek, we'd like to put a bait saddle on a creek because the bears will walk down the, the creek and then they smell and then they'll come to our bait site. But you'll see a lot of bait sites placed near a little water run that uh, is a great for bear bait. Well, and for anybody listening, when you go to BigGrassOutfitters.com, which is the website, you can go into the bear hunting trophy gallery, and your hunters have just taken some amazing bears. You have such a large amount of color phase bears, which Manitoba is very well known for, that it's it's really neat to see all these pictures of these, these bears, whether they be a black bear with the white patch under their neck, or whether they be, you know, a color phase like a blonde or a cinnamon or chocolate. It's just amazing to see some of these bears that your hunters have taken out of there. I think Manitoba holds the characteristic of the largest color phase. I don't know exactly why. I'm not a biologist, so I don't know that, and I I don't understand it. But Manitoba does hold the record for the largest amount of colored bears in, in a large area. The province manages the bears as far as uh, there's no shooting of sows and cubs. That's part of the regulations. The allocations are based on population. If something happened, but if we had a wicked winter and something happened and they a lot died, the government would take some of our tags away so we wouldn't be over harvesting bears. We want to manage the population so when we have hunters coming into Manitoba to hunt, we can offer them a top quality animal. So I'm sitting here and I'm looking at your website and I decide I want to book with Big Grass Outfitters. I call you up, say I want to hunt in 2020. It looks like I can choose both either a spring or a fall hunt, depending on what you have available. And then at that point, we would choose a date and I would get you a 50% deposit and then you would confirm that date with me? Correct. That's how we do it. We either take a credit card, a wire transfer. When I receive the deposit, then we send you all the information. On a hunt book two years out, we usually only take $1,000 down. And then the first of the year, the rest of that 50%. And then on March the 1st, the rest of the, the final payments of the hunt. That pays for the whole hunt. And then all the legal stuff is done prior to you arriving into camp. The cost of our bear hunts includes everything. It's almost like going to Mexico to an all-inclusive resort, except I don't supply the alcohol. But we do supply everything else. Meals, accommodations, transportation to and from sand. I guess the other thing that I don't supply is the soda. So many people like a different kind of soda. I don't keep all that in camp. If you want a special kind of soda, you you bring your own soda along. But other than that, everything else is supplied. We have a small town close by. You can go in and pick up the extras that you may might need. But we don't have a Cabela's or a anything or a still or anything close by. So we want to make sure that you don't forget anything when you come across that border because we don't have access to much. I guess we have a Canadian tire in Brandon if you're coming from why not but we are very limited in on you know things like uh, parts for a bow or we do have shelves availability of purchasing you know 30-06 and whatever shelves as far as you know uh, the screws to hold a scope on no we wouldn't have anything like that close by unless you can steal one off of another <laughs> another gun now would I purchase the hunting license from you directly No, it's included in the hunt. Oh, okay. It's all inclusive. So the license, the taxes, and everything else is included. 
and your export license. So whenever you come to camp, we, you know, meet and greet. And then after breakfast on Monday morning, we sit down and fill out the licenses, which are, I think they're just, the total amount is just around that $400. And so that's included in your hunt. That allows you to take your meat, your hide, your head. Yeah, meat, hide, and head. And that's your export permit. So when you go to the border, you just show them the export permit and you're allowed to go back across the border. There isn't an extra charge for that. So that's really a great op- you know, option that really makes big grass outfitters stand out. Well, the other thing, bless our government, charges 13% on every dollar that that we bring in. So off the top of the cost of the hunt, we pay 13% to the government for taxes. Some people think our hunts are maybe a little pricey, but 13% right off the top is just travels through my bank account. We don't see it. Then $400 a license. Then we usually have three or four young fellows and guides in camp. So you're paying them $150 or $200 a day. The price of our gas, a buck five right now, a liter. And we all like to eat, so we like to make sure there's a good meal on the table. Plus, we just want hunters to enjoy our hunt and make memories. Making memories is so important for everybody. In one of the galleries, I see elevated stands. But for somebody like myself that's handicapped, is there a possibility of setting up like a ground blind to sit in? Yes, actually, we have a portable ground blind. It's kind of area specific. It's got wheels on it. We put it behind the quad and pull it into the bait site. My husband's very worried about liability. So back a number of years ago, we had a fellow in a wheelchair come to camp and wanted to know if he could bear hunt. Well, Tom created this ground blind and it's on wheels. We just pull it to the stand or pull it to the bait site, put it up there for him, get him set up. And leave him. He had his owl look in the door one evening, but he could, she couldn't reach him. You know, if someone is is disabled from the waist down or something, you know, just putting them in a ground line safety is, uh, you know, you get those quiz, inquisitive three-year-olds that just won't stay away. <laughs> I just don't want somebody injured. So we've got fantastic opportunities on color phase bears. Not that they you're guaranteed a colored face it's it's still hunting it's there's no guarantees on anything but you've got a better than normal chance of seeing color phase because it's manitoba which has a huge concentration of them you're going to get fed you got your licenses included you got your export included you guys i'm assuming will skin the bear and at least put the meat on ice for the hunter yes once you've shot your bear we retrieve it the fellows get it out of the woods put it on the if we if it's available and not too dark or if we can get a decent picture, we love to have a picture in the woods. There's nothing better than having a good picture in the woods. And we'll take a couple iPhone cameras. If we've got a spotlight, we shine it and, and get a decent picture. Then load the bear, get it out, bring it home. If we haven't got a good good enough picture in the woods, we would plan to do a photo shoot after dinner. We usually have some spotlights set up here in the yard and do a good, you know, after the hunt is over, the next best thing is the photo of the bear that you shot. So unless you have a photo of that animal, you tend to forget the rest of the hunt. And so we have over the years taken many, many pictures of bears and the hunter and just for a a reminder of what a great hunt we do. We clean the bears up, make sure there's no, no blood, no tongues hanging out. Hunters need to be dressed in their camel, get a good shot. Then prior to the hunter going home, he gets a copy of the pictures that I have taken while he is in camp. Oh, great. So he gets a picture of of the bear. He might get a picture of doing something. Uh, My favorite thing is to catch somebody doing something that's a little off the wall and get a (laughs) snap at that. You know, it's always more fun to take advantage of someone than let them take advantage of you. 
So I like to get up, get one up on all the hunters because I seem to leave myself open for lots of uh, weak moments. <laughs> and you can accommodate one hunter or a group of hunters, depending on the number of open s- slots that you have? Correct. We take between one and six hunters in camp at all times. At one time, we had 12 hunters in camp. And when they went home, we did not know a couple of the fellows' names. We didn't remember where they were from. We didn't remember what they were doing. And at that time, we made the decision that we would not take a lot of people in camp. We wanted to offer a top quality hunt. We had accommodations allow us to take eight to 10 people in camp. And with the amount of bait sites we have, there's no problem in having that many people in camp. But to offer a good quality hunt, we just felt that it was best if we limit our numbers to six. We Everyone gets to see a good bait and see good animals. They go home with good memories of bait grass. That's awesome. And I'm looking at the lodge pictures you have up right now. Go out to biggrassoutfitters.com. And when you look at the lodge pictures, there's a communal dining area. So even if I went up there by myself, I'm going to be eating dinner with everybody else in camp, shooting the breeze, having fun. And then you've got a nice TV on the wall, watching some movies or something at night after a hunt. Uh, depending on the temperature, I'm, I'm guessing there's a fire pit outside too. And what I really like is you got hot showers. Yes. When we set up camp back in 2004, we had a senior gentleman, uh, goose hunter, told us, if you're going to make camp, make sure you got lots of hot water. He was an ex-military man who laid in trenches of cold mud for a number of, of years, and he said, there's nothing better than a good hot shower. So we put extra big hot water tanks in our rooms so that they didn't run out of water. Nothing better than a good hot shower. I do have Wi-Fi, but it's very, very limited. We do have cell phone services in the area with no problem at all. The hot shower and sitting outside on the deck talking to the buddies was such a positive improvement from when we were started out our business and we were accommodating our hunters in the local hotel or motel. I don't know, something about a tent camp and no hot shower really isn't uh, at the top of my list. It's a unique experience. I think the modern day hunter needs that hot shower, that's for sure, especially if maybe you're over 40 years old. Age seems to determine a lot of that sometimes. When I went to Zimbabwe like 10 years ago, I told the gentleman, I says, I don't care what the camp's like as long as there's a hot shower. I can deal with anything else as long as there's a hot shower. And sure enough, there was plenty of hot water waiting for me. Yeah, Tom and I guided for a fellow in flying Manitoba. And our hot shower was a big lake with ice on the other side of it. (laughs) So you know the temperatures of the water. Still felt good to have a have a swim in the lake, but it was definitely refreshing. Well, and for the folks listening, you're not just bear hunts either. Your website talks quite a bit about the waterfall hunts you offer, and that's a flyway, isn't it? Yes, we're in Central Flyway. A lot of our bad birds come out of Baffin Island. Tom and I started, and that's actually how we started our our business was waterfall guiding. We were located at the Big Grass Marsh. That's where where we got our name from. We operated there for four years. And then we moved our operation to this Russell area because this is where I originated from. So this is our home where I grew up. So we we set up the lodge and cabins here, and we live, we've lived here since 2004 with the log cabins. We moved them in from, from another place and then restored them. And doing that, we really opened a, a large door. Plus, me being growing up from here, I know all the farmers, so access onto agricultural land is great. A lot of Farmers grow wheat, barley, oats, 
teepees, and that's great waterfall habitat. So, and there's lots of small sloughs, not the great like in in at the Big Grass Marsh. There was one body of water. The birds all nested there. When one bird started to fly, all the birds flew. But here in here at Russell, it's not like that. You get different flights from different areas and different ponds in the area. So it made it made for better quality of hunting. And what type of waterfall are are you hunting? Is it Canadian geese or is is there something particular that flies through there? We have the local Canadas that we hunted at the beginning of season, of course, those big old honkers. Then uh, we have the migration of snow geese, which has kind of moved a little bit in the last couple of years. But we still get a good migration of snow geese through, whacking and stacking those fellows on a good day (laughs) on a pea field. Makes everybody just smile. And then, of course, there's our duck population. We have a great duck population. This past fall, the mallards was out of this world. It was just like a swarm of bees some evenings watching those ducks come and come and come. So mallards, uh, if you're close to water, you'll get the odd widgeon, gadwells. We don't hunt water like we don't set decoys in the water. At one time we did. My husband had back issues, so we stopped doing that. And it's all field hunting from final approach blinds using full body decoys. So it's it's an easier hunt. You know, a lot of senior gentlemen that have the time to do a waterfall hunt and are avid Goose or duck hunters can't manage the walking in water and standing in water. So the field hunt works better for them also. Now, when somebody comes up for a bear hunt, Judy, is archery, firearms, crossbow, muzzleloader, is is all of those weapons allowed? All of the above, except the handgun. You're not allowed to bring a handgun into Canada. Lots of bow hunters with uh, long bows, crossbows, compound bows, rifles. The good old .30-06, I think, is the most popular gun. Then there's .450, mm uh, we have had a person use a 243, and that was a young fellow just starting. He didn't want to use a big gun. When we encouraged them to find the largest grain for the 243, so it had lots of, lots of pushing power. We're not shooting a long distance, so as, as long as the bullet has lots of pushing power, it'll pound through that bear with no problem at all. But the old .30-06 is definitely the most popular gun in camp. And I'm guessing as that small town you mentioned, Russell, that's an easy gun to get ammo for if you should happen to forget ammo. Yes, there's two spots that have that ammo in in for for sale. So if something happens and like someone forgets his shells or something, it, there's no problem in purchasing that in camp. The other thing is we always shoot a gun before we go to the stand. So after we filled out the licenses, then we go to the shooting range and we will shoot everyone's gun. And just to make sure that riding up in the vehicle, flying up, something didn't happen, the gun is off. So they shoot the gun and, you know, sometimes it takes 12 or 15 shots to bring if something happened to bring that onto the x so you know then all of a sudden there's not many more shells in your your box of shells so that's where going to the small town can always uh, maybe fill in that spot well and that's where a round like a 30 odd six which you can pretty much find anywhere makes it very handy yeah so and that's one thing we really didn't cover is kind of your location because if somebody's not familiar with the parks from stateside, if you're traveling, you can drive or fly to uh, Minot and then basically just head north, Minot, North Dakota. 
Yeah, right up 83, right to camp. If you're driving up, usually they come up I-92, cross the border at uh, Pembina, and then drive up past Winnipeg, down number one, and up uh, the Yellowhead, number 16 highway, right to camp. We're three miles off the paved highway, so not really hard to find us. Uh, you can Google search us, Big Grass Cabin Rentals finds us, and then you've got a good idea of where we're located. Should I bring fishing gear? Oh, yes, you can. Um, depending on the, the time in the spring, as long as we're hunting after, I think it's the 14th of May, Fishing is, fishing season is open. Lake of the Prairies, which is 25 miles away, is a great walleye lake. We don't offer a boat, uh, ride in a boat to fish. We just go and sit on the side of the lake with, we call them uh, pickerel rig, but I think in U.S. it's called a perch rig. And so you put two minnows on it and a weight on the end and throw it in the water and sit and wait uh, for the fish to come along. Last spring, I remember... I'm not sure, John from Florida, I'm not sure if he was more excited about shooting his bear or caught catching a 30-inch walleye. He was just bouncing off the wall when he caught his walleye. Of course, there's a, there's a slot limit on Lake the Prairies uh, between 12 and 18 inches. And I think you're allowed to keep one over 24. So you did keep that one. He took it home with him to Florida to eat. Limits are four walleye. I think that day everybody caught something. There was some, uh, I think we caught a couple of northerns, just little 22 inches or something like that. But it was fun. And it always passes the evening. The one spot we fish is just below a bear bait. So we put the hunter in the stand and we go down and sit by the lake. We have to uh, be a little quiet because our voices travel. Then if we hear, hear a shot go off, then we go up and load the bay, bear and, and take some pictures and head for home. What kind of distance, if I'm a rifle hunter, about how far am I generally going to be for the from the baits? You're going to be in that 20 to 30 yards. If you've got a big gun, we'll put you at one of the ones as far as possible, but at one time, we used to have like a rifle stand and a bow stand at every bait. But since in the last, I don't know, five or six years, we've just put one bait, one stand, all ladder stands in the woods for hunters to sit at. It just got to be such a work in progress, putting two stands at the bait site. Yeah, I imagine. With a bow, we're probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 to 15 yards and with a rifle, 25 to 30 yards somewhere in that neighborhood just depends on the stand depends on the stand we want the bow hunters to be shooting grouping arrows at 18 yards at one time we had our bait at our stand sitting at 25 yards because hunters would come to camp and say oh i can group in at 25 yards no problem so we put the target at 25 yards and they weren't grouping at all. But if you bring them into an 18-yard shot, they're doing better. So we moved our stands closer for an 18-yard shot for a, for a bow hunter and accuracy was much better. Just meant less wounded bears, uh, better, sh- better shot. Another specific thing that big grass has we encourage hunters to use a fixed broadhead the bears in the springtime have four or five inch long hair and that is really thick hair and we found that some of those it's changing because the quality of the expandable blades is getting better but back 10 years ago we found we had a number of wounded bears. When that expandable blade opened up, the hair tied it up. It didn't cut through that hair. So a fixed blade did a better job putting that bear down. You know, the G5s and uh, Rage, uh, We back in the day, the Thunderhead was the most popular 
blade in camp at one time. There's a lot more different blades out there. Uh, We just hope that they're very, very sharp. Sometimes I wonder why a bear has been wounded that's a a bull kill, and then I find out that they didn't, they'd use that uh, blade a number of times prior and it hadn't been sharp. If it isn't razor blade sharp, it's not going to enter that animal and do a good job of, of uh, killing that animal. Well, and I always tell folks that a bow setup is not cheap. You got arrows, the broadheads, a lighted knock, you know, that that's all adds up, but don't take and spend good money on a, a hunt and wound an animal because you try to cheapen it up and buy some of those Chinese knockoff broadheads from some of the places. Spend the money on a good broadhead. So just as you said, it's going to hit that bear. It's going to penetrate it. It's going to kill it. And you're not going to go home thinking, man, I left a wounded bear out here in the woods that that Judy and, and her husband have to deal with. Well, that's the thing, you know. It kind of comes down to sometimes like a wounded bear and... And we have a have ethics policy that if you draw blood, your hunt is considered successful. Some other outfitters don't do that, but we found that, you know, flinging arrows or, or flinging shots and not making a good shot became a problem. And so that's why we brought that ethic rule. It uh, made people think about pulling the trigger on on you know maybe not the first bear that walked into bait site but when a good bear did walk into bait site we he took a good shot at it we want the hunter with the rifle to shoot him in the shoulder take that shoulder out and then he's not going anywhere then the next shot if you have the opportunity, put it in him it doesn't matter where the best shot possible but taking that shoulder out at that close range if you shoot the animal in the heart behind the shoulder yes it kills the bear but with the noise and the adrenaline of that animal they can go a long ways we've tracked bears a quarter of a mile a half a mile blood's almost starting to dry up and then we finally find the animal but if you take that shoulder out of them, they don't go very far. It's a good thing to practice. It's a good item for you as an outfitter to make sure that you've got responsible folks up in the blinds. And But it's really about the experience, being outside, uh, looking at land that you've not seen before. Uh, the, the whole thing of experiencing Manitoba, the Canadian culture, and everything along that goes with it. So... I really I'm excited about your opportunities for hunters, and I hope a lot of folks contact you uh, to do a hunt, whether it be a bear or, you know, waterfowl. Well, it's 23 hours from Grand Rapids, Michigan, to our door. So if you've got 24 hours, because you can likely stop for an hour at, at the border or half an hour at the border, one day and you're to camp. Um, I know that. Uh, and it's 14 hours from Madison, Wisconsin to camp. We've got lots of people coming from that Milwaukee, Madison, Appleton area, Green Bay area in Wisconsin. We have a lot of uh, waterfalls from Minneapolis, uh, Cross Lake, that area. And over the years, we've had hunters, all over Michigan. We used to do the sports show circuit in in the years 20, in 2000, I think we started in 2001, and for about 10 years there we did sports shows. Uh, it was great to go back every year to meet with clientele and uh, people that had stopped by the booth. I loved the sports show circuit. My husband hated it, but uh, <laughs> I liked I like to talk, so I guess that's 
that's why plus you know we made such good friends as far as clients you got to go back you got to visit with them we usually had a supper and and we'd go out for supper and they'd bring their family so we got to know their family um over the years we've got goose hunters that have hunted with us since 2001 and except for their health they did not come last year the fellows are in their 80s now and uh, just didn't make it. Our oldest goose hunter right now is 74 years old. He's hunted with us since 2005. Every year he brings his dog, Jake, and uh, he's hunted with us. We've got a group of hunters from Pennsylvania, hunted with us for eight years. Um, A group of bear hunters, a businessman in the Milwaukee area that bear hunts and goose hunts with us. He started out with a group of four hunters and uh, then his son and daughter grew up and uh, they are attending. So last year he showed up here with a group of 11 That was kind of breathtaking whenever they arrived and we had to manage that many people in camp. Oh, I bet. But there sure sure were a lot of stories when in the fall time one of the fellows forgot his gear. (laughs) It was a good story, but uh, by the next day we had gear for him and and he went to hunt. But uh, over the years, you know, we've made a lot of friends across the U.S., Plus, we also marketed in Germany in 2010. We uh, have hunters come from Croatia, France. Wow. And uh, some good friends in England that have returned three or four times. They're avid hunters over there. We would, they'd spend like the afternoon shooting, just shooting their, their shells because they don't have, they have to go to a shooting range and pay by the hour to to just shoot a gun. So here they were just having fun. Here they were just having fun, making lots of noise and <laughs> uh, shooting. But yeah, over the years, we've uh, had a lot of uh, clientele from around. We actually had hunters from Australia, too. I kind of forgot about them. Jason and Brett and their wives came, and it was a great hunt. Yeah, and lots of return clientele. Just amazing, the people we've got to know around the world in our business. One final question for you, Judy. So let's say I happen to be uh, bear hunting with you, and, and I take a bear early in the hunt. So we have that bear quartered up or cut up or whatever, is there anybody local that can process it for me, or is there any um, chance of getting you to cook a little bit of it for the group? Okay, that opens a kettle of fish. Because we are a licensed establishment, and the bear has not been processed by a licensed place, the cook is actually not allowed to cook it. But if the hunter chooses to cook some of it, yes, he can. We don't really have a place to process the meats close by. So as far as the bear, we take the hams and the back straps off the animal and freeze them as soon as possible. Then you can take them to your local whoever when you get to U.S., have them processed. If you personally want to go to work and and trim that meat up and wrap it up and, and do it yourself, you go right ahead. But I can tell you that I'm not going to do it. We've had people bring bring a, a deep freeze up and they've done it themselves. And I, I go have at her. But uh, we don't have time and, and you know, quality and, and especially the time. We don't have the time to do those things as we're preparing for the hunters that don't have a bear yet to get them back in the woods to make sure they have see a bear, make sure they have a hot bait. I wasn't sure if there was somebody local that had like a meat market or processing shop to process a bear for somebody if they were taking a little bit of a longer trip. So, But I could see where somebody could bring a uh, vacuum sealer or anything like that, vacuum pack the meat, and then get it to their processor of choice. We do have a bird cleaner in camp that the birds are all clean, breasted, and uh, a wing left on for your return home to camp. That's included in the hunt also. 
That's one thing a lot of outfitters don't do is include the bird cleaning. But we do. We live close to a First Nations, so we have uh, young fellows hired from the reservation, and they do our bird cleaning for us. So then your birds are all frozen and and packaged ready for your return home, which is definitely a plus. I know lots of outfitters charge 4 and $6 for processing of a duck and a goose. And if I want to have that bird mounted, you can easily just wrap it up in a plastic bag and freeze it so that it can go to my, my taxidermist. Sure, no, no problem. Plus the bear, if you're traveling from a long ways, like uh, last spring, John from Florida, after he went home, then I load up the bears that have been left and take them to, we have a taxidermist in Brandon. It's called Home and Taxidermy. He mounts our bears and ships them back to you, uh, full mount rugs, does the skull up and uh, sends it. Uh, he's been doing uh, taxidermy for us for a number of years. He mounted the big brown bear that's in in the lodge above the television and uh, a number of other things that have that we have in our lodge. Yeah, that bear above the television is a nice bear. He's a beauty. We shot, we were working bear and fly in northern Manitoba, and he decided he was coming in the tent one night, and he got <laughs> put, he met his demise, but he's a beautiful bear. That is the kind of bear that we see around here. We've shot a number of them. Mr. Bear hanging in the lodge there has seen a lot and had a lot of pictures taken of him over the 15 years that he's hung there. Oh, I bet. Well, Judy, I can't thank you enough for your time. You are active on Facebook as well as Instagram, and anybody can go to Big Grass Outfitters and contact you. Your phone number is there. Your email address is there. They can DM you directly through Instagram. There's some great videos of bear hunting on your website. So there's just so much good information about Manitoba and what to kind of look for. I, I really hope that a lot of folks take advantage and contact you, but I really appreciate your time. Well, it's been a great experience, Jason. I don't think I knew what to expect. I think I started a book the other night trying to write down stuff and I actually haven't don't even have it in front of me sitting at the computer watching the slideshow and every time something comes up it kind of brings me back to reminding me what I might have wanted to say it would have been great to have Tom here to experience this do some talking also hopefully I pulled it off can't thank you enough for your time, Judy. And we're going to go and, and I think I'll reach out to you again in July as you and Tom prepare for the fall season. We'll get both of you on the line at that time to talk about fall hunting for bears and the difference that can be expected and how the bears act and the difference between a spring bear hunt where they're coming out of hibernation and a, a fall when they're just really looking to pack on the weight. Well, that would be super. Yeah, those bears in the fall, it is amazing. When we shot that big bear in 2007, the taxidermist and Tom, we don't weigh our bears, but the taxidermist and Tom figured he weighed well over 700 pounds. And talking to a biologist, he told us that that bear would have weighed over 1,300 pounds in the fall with the food available. Just amazing how much those bears will gain if they have good food to access. And the farmers that you know, if I remember right, I believe those bears can get out in those oat fields and do some serious damage. And the farmers like to have them kind of push back a little bit. Oh, big time. An oat field in the milk stage, they can destroy 30 acres. You know, three or four bears can destroy 30 acres with no problem all. They lay on their bellies and, and roll around and and pull those oats into their mouth. They, You don't realize how destructive they are. We don't grow much corn around here. But, uh, I guess the corn fields in southern Manitoba, the government is doing some, uh, offering some extra tags to some of the outfitters just to possibly uh, get those bears in control because of the population and the corn destruction on the corn fields. Yeah, that's one thing Canada doesn't lack is bears. No, they sure don't. We don't do a survey as far as the knowledge of how many bears we have in Manitoba, but uh, we have a great positive population. 
I, as I know I said one last question, and I'm, I kind of lied because I've kept going on, but I'll, this will be the last question. Does Manitoba take a tooth out of the bear just for study purposes? Well, Jason, yes, we do. Or yes, we did. In 2001, Vicki Burns from PETA tried to stop our spring bear population. And prior to that, there was always a tooth taken out. And over the years to about 2014, there was a bear tooth taken out and sent to the government. But with all our government cutback, we do not do that anymore. We don't have anything to fight uh, the anti-hunters. So I think our government understands how much money comes into the province with hunting and fishing, and I think we have a strong voice there. Good. But yes, uh, the aging of bears was really interesting. Find out uh, how old that bear was. We had a sow back when was 35 years old, and it, it wow. was just shocking to think that she was that old. We used to take the internal track out of the the bears so they could tell us how many cubs that that sow had. That was good information, but none of that is done due to the cutbacks. Oh, okay. Well, you know, it's certainly apparent that you know your bears, you know the land, you're out there doing the the baiting, you you see these bears come in. So I, I really wish you a lot of luck, and I can't thank you enough for your time, Judy. I look forward in the fall to talking to you and and Tom and having you both on the line. I think that would be fantastic, and I wish you a wonderful day. Okay, well, thank you very much. You have a good day, too. Take care. Okay, bye-bye now. Come early spring, it's getting green. Fisher on the bed. Hear those turkeys gobble. It's ringing in my head. The winter rides bass boat. Here comes another year. Yeah, we command the outdoors around here. Oh, we command the outdoors. Yeah, we. Come summertime, we're feeling fine Fishing on the lake Flipping jigs and Carolina rigs From early morning till real late Bonfires on creek bank Kick back a couple beers Yeah, we command the outdoors around here Yeah, we Yeah, we command the outdoors. Next year's does until you know winter's on the way. Brushing blinds and deer stands. The fever starts to creep. Fill our freezers full of ducks, lots of tender deer. Yeah, we command the outdoors around here. Yeah, we command the outdoors. Yeah, we command the outdoors. So grab your guns, shells, boys. Put on your camouflage. Cause we command the outdoors around here We command the outdoors